sponsored by Amazon. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It's Friday, May 5th. In Washington today, everyone is going to be talking about a few big legal developments that happened yesterday. Last night, the Washington Post had the latest in a cascade of scoops that have dropped in recent days about embattled Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. The Post reports that just over a decade ago, longtime Federalist Society leader Leonard Leo arranged for Clarence Thomas's wife Ginny to be paid tens of thousands of dollars for consulting work for a nonprofit that Leo advised, and that he specified that her name be left off of the billing paperwork. That's relevant because later that same year, this nonprofit Leo was involved with filed a brief with the Supreme Court in Shelby v. Holder, a major voting rights case in which Thomas was part of a 5-4 to four conservative majority that gutted a central provision of the Voting Rights Act, which is what Leo's nonprofit advised them to do. You're going to be hearing a lot about this in the days to come, especially since there have been so many stories already about Clarence Thomas questioning his judgment and questioning his relationship with billionaire Harlan Crow, and since the Senate Judiciary Committee has already been holding hearings on possible ethics reform for the high court. Meanwhile, a jury in Washington, D.C. convicted Enrique Tarrio, the former leader of the Proud Boys, and three of his allies of a seditious conspiracy to derail the transfer of power from Donald Trump to Joe Biden. It's a historic verdict following the most significant trial that has emerged from the January 6th attack on the Capitol. In New York, jurors for E. Jean Carroll's civil trial, in which she is accusing Donald Trump of rape, watched about 45 minutes of a taped deposition of the former president yesterday. In the footage, Trump repeatedly denied Carroll's allegation, but also grew agitated. At one point during the deposition, Carroll's lawyer, Roberta Kaplan, questioned him about several other women who have accused him of sexual assault, women that Trump has described as not being his type. Trump opted to respond by telling Kaplan herself, you wouldn't be a choice of mine either, to be honest. Lawyers for both Carroll and Trump rested their cases shortly after the deposition was played, and though Trump has previously said he will not take the witness stand, the judge gave him until 5 p.m. on Sunday to change his mind. Barring a flip from Trump on that front, closing arguments are expected to start on Monday. Also happening today around Playbook, my colleague Ryan Lizza has a fascinating interview with two-term Arkansas governor and Republican presidential candidate Asa Hutchinson on today's episode of Playbook Deep Dive. Hutchinson has some surprising thoughts on why he thinks that Republican voters will reward him for all the times he has bucked the party. For example, then-Governor Hutchinson vetoed a bill that would have banned gender-affirming care for transgender children. Well, I hope it showcases to people that I think for myself, uh, I try to follow the Constitution, I try to listen to people, and I try to make good decisions. And uh, that is an example of where it wasn't politics, it was uh, you know, what's the role of parents in raising their children? And whenever you look at health care decisions, whether you're thinking about, you know, whether the children should be vaccinated or whether the children should have other kinds of health care, uh, I think there's a limited role of the state. Head over to Playbook Deep Dive for more on Governor Hutchinson's run for the White House. And we have a scoop to share with you this morning. Planned Parenthood is launching a multi-million dollar effort to put abortion rights before Florida voters next year, with potentially big implications for both turnout in the 2024 election in Florida, which is a perpetual battleground state, and for Republican Governor Ron DeSantis as he prepares to run for president. Joining me to discuss it all is one of the reporters who broke that story, Megan Messerly. Good morning, Megan. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. 
Thanks for joining. There's a policy aim here, but there's also a political one. Talk me through a little bit. What is Planned Parenthood hoping to do here? Essentially, what this ballot measure aims to do, just in the plain text of the ballot measure, is that it would insert the right to abortion up until fetal viability, which is around 24 weeks of pregnancy, into the state constitution. So one, obviously, they want to restore abortion access in Florida. Right now, abortion is legal until 15 weeks of pregnancy. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just signed a six-week ban into law that hasn't actually taken effect yet, pending the outcome of a court case challenging the state's current law. But purpose two, as you alluded to, there's a big, obviously, political implication here, just given this is a state that a lot of eyeballs are on. You know, driving up the Democratic vote is one big outcome. And then the other one is obviously Governor Ron DeSantis has not yet announced presidential campaign. He signed the six-week abortion ban, you know, in the middle of the night. He's been supportive of that law, but he really hasn't spoken that much publicly about it. So this ballot measure gives Democrats something to keep talking about, right? It's a way for them to keep hammering home this message and reminding voters of Governor DeSantis's position on the abortion issue. That's really interesting. So what is the road ahead for the proposal itself? You know, what do they need to do to actually make it onto the ballot? It has a really long and complicated road ahead of it. So Florida's ballot measure process is notoriously onerous. To start with, supporters of this ballot measure need to gather an initial batch of signatures. After that, the state Supreme Court will actually review the text of the ballot measure to make sure, one, that it tackles only a single subject, two, that the ballot summary does not mislead voters. So basically, it has to match the actual text of the measure. And then three, they have to make sure that it on its face does not violate the U.S. Constitution. So the concern from proponents of this measure is that the state's conservative Supreme Court is going to look for any reason they can to disqualify this measure and keep it from the ballot. So if they can get past the state Supreme Court, at that point, they'll need to gather nearly a million signatures, 890,000 signatures, knowing that some are going to be thrown out. So they need to collect those from half of the state's congressional districts. That means they can't just focus on blue strongholds. They need signatures from across the state. And then if they actually manage to get it on the ballot, they need 60% support to amend the Constitution. So a lot of states, it's just 50%. Florida, it's 60%. So they have this extremely high threshold. So they, they see this as an uphill fight and they say they're worried. Republicans in Florida are creative. They're worried about Republicans sort of using any tool in their toolbox to keep this from being on the ballot. And so that's where we are right now is, is uh, supporters of this measure are looking at this very long uphill climb to both get it on the ballot and get it passed. Thanks so much. Yep. Thanks so much for having me. And for your schedule, the House and Senate are out today. For more reporting, check out Playbook this morning at politico.com slash playbook. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. All employees should have the opportunity and tools to grow their careers, regardless of where they start. That's why Amazon offers a range of free training programs designed to help employees move into higher-paying roles within Amazon. Learn more at aboutamazon.com.